David Thorpe. I'm Henry Epp. This is Bring It In. The Pelicans are tied with the Suns. What the hell's going on? It is uh, it's a testament to how good Devin Booker is. And uh, it's a testament to what you can do with non-first-round pick rookies who love to play defense. So yeah, Don't get it confused, you guys. This whole show is going to be about Jose Alvarado. <laughs> and <laughs> and Herb I mean, Jones. I'm kind of kidding, but we love Jose Alvarado yeah. over here. Um, uh, and really, David's... Uh, we published part one last week, but we've been talking a lot about the changing role of big men. That's kind of simmering underneath all this. I, they put a little graphic up during um, one of the games on Sunday that the top scoring duos around the league are Brandon Ingram, CJ McCollum, Jordan Poole and Steph Curry, and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, which usually if you think about high scoring big men, there's a center in there. But I realized there were none in this. Just found that away for your thinking about What's going on in the league right now? Well, it doesn't help that Jokic has no one else that can score. Because he, he's, he's been pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I think yeah. It, it helps to have the ball in your hands. And as, as yeah. these games devolve into just a battle of talent, because everyone kind of knows where the other teams are running, and also because coaches just stop demanding that guys run actions and then read off the actions, and it's more ISO-based, big men are kind of screwed. They're, they don't have the ball in their hands, and you can't score without it, really especially then once you get boxed out. So I think there's some other things going on too with, with, I mean, Embiid, you know, Embiid's hurt a little bit and certainly Toronto's really focused on him and trying to make other people beat him, which makes sense. But uh, I, I think that you can scheme up for an, a player that doesn't have the ball in his hands a lot. And, and let's just face it. And Henry, you and I talked about this a little bit last week. There is a degree of the guy with the ball in his hands gets to dictate and playoffs are hero moments. And so I, I really want to so, dive into looking at, are they just taking a lot of bad shots? Because the answer sometimes is yes. That's all true. For sure, that's true. But there is, the league's changing, right? Like it is in a way, like, you know, in the time of Shaquille O'Neal or Akeem Olajuwon, they would have been on, or Carl Malone, they would have been on all these lists, right? Like, like, like we don't need to dissect this now, but like, it's not just ball hoggery, right? Like the league is a little different now, right? We're not just throwing oh, it to Shaquille I mean, O'Neal. We've been saying that for a long time, play. yeah. And, but yeah. my point yeah. is, I... Uh, if you can take if your if your best player is your big man score, which we have a few of those guys, um, and uh, and you can take that away as, as as an opponent, well, you're as a coach, you should be coming up with other schemes to you know get back to what you look like. And I think yeah. we're seeing you know that chess match is working really well. And of course, it's not all unique to just big men. Uh, there's you know the Miami Heat are not letting Trey Young score, and. They've done a great job with what they're doing. So, but yes, I think that if you if you're a team that's got that your big man's your leader, you better come up with some stuff because the other team's coming up yeah. with some stuff too. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the Pelicans. Yeah. Uh, Chris Paul in the fourth quarter, zero points, two turnovers, two fouls, including a flagrant, um, a technical, and his team is minus eight. Uh, it was 89-85 Pelicans with 803 left. Um, Jose Alvarado and Larry Nance had just come in right before that, and they're playing with Herb Jones, Jonas Valanciunas, and CJ McCollum. Then then McCollum sits for Ingram, and it was a 12-0 run, and like the game's over. Uh, a few minutes later, five minutes later, they're they're checking in Ish Wainwright and Garrett Temple, and it's all over. Um, what the hell, David? What do you see? What's going on? How are how are we turning Chris Paul into someone who can't help his team all of a sudden? Well, it wasn't just the fourth quarter. So he he his first basket of the game. Uh, was in the first quarter. He he was able to beat Valanciunas on like a hard hedge, and he did a great straight line drive bucket layup. Nice layup, but Valanciunas trying to block it. He didn't get there. His next bucket came 
up a really great triples, really a triple screen where ultimately Valanciunas was caught. He probably should have hedged and just, he, I don't think this, he saw the screen coming. So now here comes Jackson Hayes racing over Chris Paul coming from the right side of the floor. He was off the ball initially. He came, he came off a staggered screen to catch the ball, then got a third screen with the ball, went from left to right, got to his favorite spot, the right elbow, a little fadeaway jumper. Jackson Hayes came flying over from trailing from behind, almost blocked it, but didn't. And that came with, I want to say, 6.33 to play first quarter. He scored one. He scored no more baskets the rest of the game. So that's almost, that's yes, basically three and a half quarters of no field goals made. The Pelicans are making, first of all, they're playing uh, Herb Jones on him a lot. Six foot nine, super long, thin, and lives to be in your shadow, to be your shadow. Jackson Hayes spent some time on him. Again, they're switching screens, so other guys are guarding him too. And then here comes the, the absolute contrast, the chaos creator, Jose Alvarado. So, so Chris has been worried about tall and long and fast, and now he's got to work, now deal with short and feisty as a pit bull. And it's thrown him off. They're also trying to force him left a lot, and they're taking, you know, he had 14 assists, no turnovers in game three. I'm pretty sure I'm right with that. that that's fucking incredible. Like, no, almost no one on the planet can do that. But they're making him be a scorer with, in theory, and they executed much better in game four. <laughs> yeah. And it's not working out good for him. So you contrast this, the, the fact that he's seeing very different kinds of defenders. There's like a chapter of the Thorpe yeah. coaching philosophy all about this. How does that work? What are we yeah, doing? So schematically, there? when I built my defenses over the years, it's based on contrast. So for example, we'll press a certain way, but we'll let you throw a backwards pass. You inbound the ball. We trap the ball. We let you throw it backwards and then we, re, we, we relocate. But then we have a contrast where we don't let you throw the backwards pass. Or in some of our defenses, our 70 series, we call it, we'll let you cross half court up the sideline and then we'll trap you. But then we have a, an alternate version of the trap of the press where we'll trap you before you get to half court. And some defense, we're forcing you up the sideline and some we're forcing you up the middle. And, it, we, and everything is, as soon as you get comfortable with something, we're taking it away. If the same thing works individually, okay? We'll let you do something. A, a big man is, you know, Herb Jones and, and Jackson Hayes allow Chris, Chris Paul to do some things better because they're taller and longer and some things that are worse. And then Jose is just the opposite. And it just makes you uncomfortable. You second guess yourself all the time. And that to me is when you can really, I think the Celtics are doing this with KD as well. When Chris Paul got to the point where he didn't look comfortable dribbling the ball, you've won at that point. Game's over. It was, I've never, you never see that. You never see that. And when he, when Jose got that steal, and I just I just saw it this morning because I'm too old to stay up to see alive. But um, from behind, just for a second, I swear to you, the most active-brained player in the league over the time I've been alive stopped playing just for a second. Brandon Ingram scooping up the ball. The Pelicans are flying for a second. Chris Paul's like, "What the fuck?" You could tell he's just like, "What's going on?" Like, did, I mean, I don't know. That was a I I've never seen Chris Paul have a pause. Well, I think uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think that. If, um, if Jose Alvaro starts on Chris Paul and is with him most of the game, number one, he'll burn out of energy because he's, he's using up so much energy. But number two is there is an, a, a Chris Paul gets acclimated to that and I think he gets comfortable. But when you throw it to him in spurts and he's been playing a different way this whole time and all of a sudden he's got this guy, it, it, it works. It's just that extra bit of chaos really works. And the Pelicans, I'm sorry, the Suns without Booker, 
have been exposed. It doesn't mean every other team can expose them. Not that really, no one else has Herb Jones and Jose Alvarado on the same team. That's really the great thing. One's an undrafted player, two-way guy, uh, ACC defensive player of the year, but they didn't think he was good enough to draft him. The other one is a second-round pick, a, th- a pure three-indie guy who, who loves to play defense. You can see it. And it's not easy to get a young guy to, to embrace that role because, it, I mean, Mikhail Bridges has figured that out. Uh, they're, they're, but you're not going to be an all-star that way almost for sure. And Herb Jones embraced the hell out of it. And no one thought to draft him in the first round. It's weird. You're, you said that you don't think you've ever seen two rookies playing good D at the same time on the same team together. I, I don't remember. I would love for someone to point it out to me to have two, first of all, credit to Willie Green for playing them. I mean, to start yeah. the year, Jackson Huge Hayes. Huge credit. Yeah. Jackson Hayes was persona non grata because of some legal issues. Jose Alvarado was in the G League. Mm-hmm. And, and you and I, and I don't know how much you want to get into this, but, oh, there's a whole bunch of teams led by a whole bunch of superstars, starting with the Lakers. These guys wouldn't get on the court. Mm-hmm. I, almost for sure, both of them wouldn't get on the court. Maybe one would. I mean, they, they, the, uh, the Lakers did play a rookie this year, so, I and mean, they played Horton Tucker when he was a rookie. But to play two of them? I don't know that LeBron mm-hmm. would put it up with that. Because they're going to do some stupid shit. But so does everyone, as I've always said. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the way these guys can change the game defensively, I'm telling you right now, I felt it. Uh, they, Chris Paul wants nothing to do with those guys. Nothing. Now, he's amazing and he'll compete like crazy. But someone said to me this morning on a show, I told you this, Henry, if, if, uh, if you gave Chris Paul a true serum, would he say, I just want to punch Jose Alvarado in the face? And I said, I think he'll, he'll say, man, I admire, I love this guy. Like, that's me if I didn't have to play 30 minutes a game as a rookie. Like, that's how I'm, I mean, fuck you on everything. That's how Jose plays. Mm-hmm. And he does the smile on his face. It's just the most joyous thing to watch. And I think that's how Chris Paul was when he was a rookie. And I think he respects it. But it is not fun to play against him. No. 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 I think well, he got that. That, that. Go ahead. Well, that's flagrant. I mean, we talk yeah. about they, they use you, you're, you're decades into sort of making fun of the term rookie mistake, yeah. right? Because veterans make mistakes all the time, yeah. including Chris Paul's flagrant. Like, it's a very costly. It was, he wound up and hit he the dude in the head. He knew it was, yeah. Is there, yeah. If like, he got thrown out, Henry, does he have to set up the next game too? Not necessarily. So uh, they should have thrown him out. Yeah. I, I mean, he hit him right in the fucking head. Yeah. It, was, it was, and he's, he, he's laser precise, that guy, right? Like, he's not, he's not a big puppy dog that might accidentally not Which, know where his arms are. You know what I mean? I do. It's a very good point. I, I can argue that a fatigued Chris Paul, which he is, I mean, I told you in the first yeah. quarter, he got off the ball, he ran to the corner. He put his hands on his knees and did like a couple of deep yoga breaths. <laughs> and this was the, that's why I, I thought, oh, they're in First trouble. Quarter. He's already gassed because Herb Jones does, do, does that to you. And you know, Jose's coming at some point in the second quarter, whatever. Um, but even then, it's still, it's, you, I, I, just, I thought we weren't allowed to just pop, pop guys in the head. I, I don't, I don't care. Did you see Herb Jones afterward? Huh? Herb Jones gets hit in the head, yeah. makes the bucket, and then I watched. Every muscle in his face, yeah. and he's just he just walks into the stands. Yep. He's just calm, calm, Perfect. calm. Yep, I'm I like, like I mean, he's just like I'm gonna win this game. Yep. I'm gonna take out Chris Paul. Like I'm like he's gonna go crazy. He's gonna hit me in the head, and we're just gonna win, and we're gonna walk away. Like I was like, this is who's the rookie? Right. You know what I mean? Oh, like great point. Like, who's the well, young emotional one? Not this guy. And Jose, when he picks Chris Paul late, game's over at that point. But you could see Jose with the opposite of Herb. They're fire and ice. If there's a fire and ice, it's those two. 
Um, Jose was just clapping and smiling, having the best time. He knew he got into Chris Paul's head. He knew it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, minor thing. Uh, Ingram's big highlight reverse. I, I, I right. looked at it in slow motion. So two things. We're talking about a play yeah, early in the game. He drives yeah. right, finishes on the left side reverse. He, he left on the right mm-hmm. side of the court. We practice all the time. It's mm-hmm. called a two-foot reverse. It's a daily part of good workouts. And it's incredibly close to being a travel because if you jump in, land, and then shoot, 100% travel. But I watched it on super slow-mo, and I cannot tell you it's definitely a travel. It was suspect. But I can can't tell you for sure DeAndre Ayton fouled him. Absolutely. I, I, the and, one angle and they call it. Like the original angle from behind him, you see, you can, if you're, I've been looking at Ingram's feet, I'm looking to see, I, I think he landed. I mean, I respect that you see it better than I, I do, but like, motion, but I, me, I think his foot came down, um, but whatever. Uh, but when you're watching his feet, one thing you'll definitely notice is while he's in the air, like his left foot's a little forward and then whoop, like his feet just completely pivot when Aiden smashes into him. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I guess you will give me the travel. Well, <laughs> like, what, what Aiden did, so these guys like to jump straight up and go their hands in and you, and you can, you own that vertical space above you. But, right. and so they always put their hands straight up in the air, but he was moving forward. <laughs> like he, right. he crashed right. into them. It's very obvious. And I the only thing it's funny because Monty, who is a very measured, like you would argue the he's as measured. measured a man as we have yeah. in basketball today at any level, really. And he's complaining about the, the I think it was a 41-15 free throw disparity. And I get that, but it should have been 42 to 15. Because that should have been an and one. Yeah. <laughs> he definitely fouled him. So let's talk about this. So um, he also got a technical, Monty did, um, which, you know, that's not going to happen very often. Um, and afterwards, he says, you can slice it any way you want to. In a playoff game that physical, the disparity is amazing. Coaches shouldn't have to come up to the microphone and feel like they're going to get their heads cut off for speaking the truth. Oh, that's a whole can of worms we should get into, Henry. It's right up your alley. Yeah. Um, I think it's an incredible statement. Like, what, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think what he's saying is, why can we not talk about this? This is a part of the yeah. game that's we we he thinks I don't agree with him, but I, I agree with his point, which is why should this be verboten that we can't talk about how these games are being called publicly? I think he's making it. Yeah, it's point. weird. I mean, they have all these rules, and you know, it's automatic fine basically if you question the referees in public to the media after the game as a player or coach. Like it's just an automatic fine, and everybody knows it. And the reason for it, big picture, makes some sense to me, which is everybody who loses a basketball game can complain about the refs. Right. It's a very difficult game to referee and you rightly get very emotional when you lose, right? Like that's just how it is. It would be possible for players and coaches to fuel the entire internet every day with like this referee's crooked or whatever. And like, that would not be productive. I, that's not helpful. So that's way over here. We're not going to just trash the referees every night. Great. But on the other hand, I feel like here's Monty Williams, the most sober man yeah. on the planet. Super measured. He's been through terrible yeah. things in his life. He's got you know super dignity. And he's basically saying, well, let me read it again. Coaches shouldn't have to with the microphone and feel like they're going to get their heads cut off for speaking the truth. And this is where I'm like, yep, that sounds totally right to me. Like it should, there should be some avenue to discuss this because right. there's a huge factor. And frankly, they're not perfect. And we've had big scandals with the referees and it's important to be able to discuss that in some way. 
I think you're exactly right. Um, it shouldn't have to be Festivus for the airing of grievances once here on Seinfeld. Festivus. <laughs> we should be able to address this. Uh, again, if, we're, if you're asking me, I, I've not watched every minute of every game. I've, I've watched a good amount, less yesterday than every other day. But I've watched plenty. And I watched that game. And uh, I think the biggest problem is guys are fouling. I don't think the referees are the biggest problem. But I don't think we should be afraid to talk about whatever it is he wants to talk about in some kind of public fashion for the integrity of the game. Hiding from it, I think, only makes it worse. I don't think there's any sinister thing going on. I, I know some referees, NBA referees. They're incredibly judicious, impressive men who and women. I don't know the women, but I know they're just as good as the men are. And they're studying the game and they're studying tape. They take it so seriously. And, they're, and most of them have amazing conflict resolution skills. I really right. appreciate that about them. I, I tell high school, back when I was a high school coach, I would tell the high school referees all the time, I don't hate you. I would tell the referees, I don't hate you. We don't have to, you don't have to talk to me that way. I'm not going to talk. Yeah. I grew up, by the time I was 26, 27, I stopped being a jerk. It didn't help. They still want to be a jerk to me because they're just so <laughs> habitually dogs and cats. Yeah. Referees and coaches, dogs and cats. The NBA has figured that out. They're so much more professional, mostly. Um, but I know, all I know is this. Guys are fouling players all the time. They shouldn't be fouling because they're unlikely to make a shot. And you better hope this game, this guy can go to a game seven and Scott Foster is calling the game. Oh, my God. Because Chris Paul still hasn't won a game in, what is it, 11, 11 or 12 years? <laughs> Whatever it is. Since he's- that last one was not Scott Foster's fault. No, of course right? not. Like, but, yeah. Like, I, that, it wasn't close. And, Scott, I, I was looking for the calls, yeah. right? I was looking for these, like, you know, I – it's not what happened. Of like course. That's not, Scott Foster didn't cost but You know that's going to be fucking with your head a little bit. Um, they've got some work to do. Without, without Booker uh, and with the way those guys can play defense and the way Ingram and Valanciunas can score and CJ, I mean, they don't even need Zion to pull this upset now. Uh, but you, you mentioned our document. This team with Zion, this team as yeah. is with Zion, is absolutely another level up. Yeah, so let's really use your big basketball brain. Like, how do you do that? Like, for all, my, I'm a little worried, to be honest. Like, CJ McCollum needs the ball. Brandon Ingram needs the ball. Jonas Valanciunas needs the ball. Like, Zion Williamson needs the ball. Like, do they have a problem where they're just too many? It's a little, it's a little like, I remember you saying to me years ago, like, when the, when the Mellow Nuggets lost a game, everybody walked in the locker room thinking they should have shot more. Yeah. And that's a problem for a team, right? Like, are they going to be like that when Zion comes back? Well, this is on Willie Green. This is on manage, managing egos and, and, uh, and shots. Um, I think Zion and Brand will be willing passers, which helps. The very first thing I would probably do is bring CJ off the bench. Mm-hmm. I'd have to get him to buy into that. But I probably... I don't know if you can. Yeah, I probably would try to get him to come off the bench and be sixth man of the year, which he absolutely could be, for sure. Mm-hmm. He scored 20 points a game off the bench. He'll be in, he'll be in the fourth quarter of every game. Um, but it allows us to get everyone early shots and feel in the mix in the first quarter. And uh, I think I think they should um, trade Valanciunas for, and I don't know who, I have to really spend some time, but I'd want a, a, a more productive paint and rim protector. Uh, they've given up the most points in the paint uh, in the playoffs, uh, but um, it's unfair because they're playing a team that does a lot of mid-range jumpers, not mid-range, but paint jumpers. Uh, and Aiden's played pretty well. Um, and maybe Jackson Hayes, that guy, but probably not. He probably isn't ready for that yet for this team. But um, they've, they've got the markings of, with Herb Jones and Jose, they've got two such high-level defenders 
they added a third with CJ and Zion and um, and Brandon, and you've got high level scores too. That's a hell of a team. That's a contending. Well, and this team. is like some of those lineups will be like the longest, most athletic lineups in the history of the game, right? Like not with CJ, not with Jose, right? Like, but like, but they can they can do that, right? So you're gonna want to fill out that five, right? You'd want to. We'll who do you with vote? With? Let's go: Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram, Zion yeah. Williamson, Jackson Hayes. Amazing. I mean, amazing. Like, Come on. Amazing. And who else are you going to put in there? Yeah, you got to get an elite shooter. Yeah, you got to find an elite shooter that can be a primary ball handler. Ingram can be uh, – listen, Ingram and Zion can both be primary ball handlers. Uh, I thought they were very good when Zion was basically the point guard. Like, that really worked. Yeah, for sure. So, you, I think you got to get a, a Joe Harris-type shooter. There's, there's plenty. Plenty yeah. of these guys. Yeah. Um, you can yeah. find great shooters. But, yeah, that's a hell of a squad. And then you still have all these CJs and Jose's and whatever. Right. Like there's a bunch. Yeah. But something about Herb Jones is really special. I'm like Herb Jones, Brandon Ingram. Like, oh my gosh! Like this is a, this is a this is such a problem. <laughs> like, I mean, and but Jackson Hayes was hustling everywhere, contesting shots. Yeah, yeah they're. Uh, I I love their demeanor. Um, it's really amazing. It's an amazing story with where they've where they've come from without Zion, without Zion. Yeah. And, uh, and CJ said, I like, look, check this, check me on this, but I'm pretty sure before the first playing game, when they were the 10 seed, they were the 10 or nine, the 10. I forget. They were the 10 seed. They're a 10 seed team. I think CJ McCollum said to the press, like, we're about to do something really special. It's going to change how people view me. It's going to change how people view this team. Like before two game sevens and now they're two, two with the number one seed. Who knows? They might win. They might not. I don't know. But like, that's some spirit, some team spirit going on there. That's a very unusual comment and looked prophetic. Uh, they were the nine seed, but no, no, they were the eight seed. My bad. Clippers and oh, Clippers they, and Spurs. Yeah, still, that's amazing. No, I, I, my story was better when he was a ten. When it but was still, 10. I mean, still, it's an eight seed. <laughs> it's an eight seed. Uh, they're not guaranteed anything. They weren't guaranteed yeah. anything. Oh no. Yeah. So, no. um, well, if, it, if you're playing two 50-50 games, you're twenty five percent likely to make right, it. Right. Right. Yeah, it's uh, there's something happening there. And this is what Willie's this Willie's strength. Like he might have some weakness still as a coach, it. but this is a strength of his is getting guys to buy in. Okay. So I know it's unfair, but who's going to win the series? Oh man, I, I I'm gonna I mean it's fair to lean to Phoenix because I, just like I say with Minnesota Memphis, um, when the underdog suddenly becomes the favorite, there's a weight on their shoulders, and so at some point in this series, potentially. New Orleans might be up six with five to play and tighten up. And Phoenix, hopefully, would, you know, when you're that good of a team, you just execute. You've been there. Even if you failed before, you have a reference point. So, um, I, I, when did the, I haven't looked to see. When do they play their next game? Is it Tuesday or Wednesday? Very good question. Let's look at the schedule. Yeah, because um, Chris on. Paul could use another Very day of rest. professional part of the show. Very professional part of the show. Um, Hold on, hold on. I'm not very good at remembering who plays when. Tuesday. 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 They play Tuesday, so that's faster. Tomorrow. That's not good for Chris. He looks so gassed. Um, yeah, I still, I still give Phoenix uh, the edge. I, I think everyone would, but I mean, we can't be surprised anymore. If, and, and Booker's definitely out for all of it. I'm not. I'll, just for fun, I'll take the Pelicans. I think I'm going to predict the Pelicans are one. Um, you're just being contrarian. No, I. I respect, like, we've had a few signals from inside the camp that people think very special things are happening, right? Yep. And um, 
What I like is like Jackson Hayes is playing the first and third yeah. quarters, not even all of them. And so your thing about people getting tight, like, yeah, that'll, that could happen. But he's going to run around like a maniac for his stint. And who's ever I was playing, I don't know, 20 minutes. He's going to run around. He's going to do his stuff. Like, I feel like some of this is kind of the circumstances are are not good for Chris Paul, <laughs> right? Like, and it'll be on Brandon Ingram and CJ McCollum to, you know, get the lid off the rim if things get tight like that. And I'm going to guess that they're good enough at that. Um, and Valanciunas has been great. You know, woo. he's been great. I, I'll just throw this out at you. Um, it's not because he's a rookie. Uh, Jose made a, an egregiously terrible pass inbounding it yesterday from the sideline. Yeah. It's not because he's a rookie. Uh, it, that those kind of plays are going to come up too. You know, there, there's pressure. Like we feel it watching it. Like, Oh, I, I imagine playing it. I've always thought about that. Like what, what grace you have to have, whether, I mean, I watch a little bit of, of European football uh, and the Olympics and the world cup. And the best ball handlers on the pitch are the freaking goalie who, if it's, if it's, you know, one of the, one of the opponents are racing after the ball when you kick it back and they can only use their feet at that point. And they just definitely boop, boop, boop and kick it out. Like, it's amazing. But what pressure that must be all the time. It's the same thing in this oh my situation. Yeah. You have to, and, and you normally have to fail first. A lot before yeah. you start succeeding and more. Look, That's why I think it's going to be great, though. It's a great series. As is the Minnesota Mercury. The whole league is freaking out about Jose Alvarado. Um, but like, let's be clear. He's not Michael Jordan, right? Yeah, like, right. <laughs> he's undersized. He can't shoot. His stats were actually pretty similar to Chris Paul's, right? Like, he also had almost no right. points and turnovers right. and fouls, right? right? Like, like that's, that, but you know, they, the, the, only, the only reason it's so effective is because the Suns need Chris Paul to be doing a ton more than that. And the Pelicans don't need. For, for sure. That's that. right. And, and without Booker, they're, they're saying Chris Paul beat us and he, he did in game three. He's not in game four. Uh, he, yeah. I think he's got at least one, if not two more good games in him. Maybe not great, but good. Yeah, no, it's a fun, fun. Everything's been fun to watch basically. Yeah. Um, Okay, we have so much to talk about. Let's talk about the Hawks Heat. Um, I, w- I had a lot of thoughts watching that game, but um, or both of those games since we last talked. Um, you wrote an article a while back about how the Hawks will win a title at some yeah, point. I'm just wondering, is that last summer um, convincing? And they have so many good young players, but do, is that still true? Is the formula still on track? I mean, they took a. Re- I mean, DeAndre Hunter took a step backwards this year overall. He's. I think he's coming out of it, and I think he's a super important piece for them. Um. Uh, Okanu, I think, can be a good backup to Capella. John Collins didn't take another jump like I thought he he would. I think he may have shot better this year, though. Um, at Kevin Herter, I thought, would, but you know, they they should have taken a step forward this year and they didn't. I, I think they're. I mean, I, I'm not gonna say I'm wrong yet. Uh, I, Nate McMillan was disapp- it's disappointing what they did, and you have to look at the coach also, but not just the coach. Um, but no, I think that I think that they're gonna learn. And uh, we'll see a little bit next year early on. I wouldn't quit on them just yet. They're not going to win it this year or next year. <laughs> They're definitely not winning it this year. Um, I don't think next year either. But they still got a great future is, ahead of them. Is it? I mean, I believe in Trey Young. And like, actually, I you know, until the last minute of uh, the last game, I was like, oh, Trey Young might just light this on fire, and then it's all <laughs> you know, game on again. Like it could happen, right? I believe it could happen. We've all seen it. Um, but is it problematic to build everything around such a tiny player who's not so great on D? It's problematic, but not it's not a deal breaker. Um, I, I mean, 
Tony Parker was never great on defense. And for much of his right. career, he couldn't shoot. That team, but did he win anything? Huh? But did he win anything? <laughs> <laughs> but what we're saying, though, is you better have a world fame, you know, world famous, you know, Hall of Famer coach and great executives and have an owner. That I think he mostly stayed out of the way, if I, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So Atlanta is yeah. on the clock. Like, they have a lot of talent. And, and last year, they overachieved. This year, they're underachieved. Okay, next year is the rubber match. Which one's it going to be, guys? You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I, I had some other questions. So, I, you know, you've got me thinking about big men a lot, and I'm I'm trying to just watch who's being effective, right? And and Okongwu, I was like, oh, this is a very, you know, he's a guy you definitely want in the game, right? Yeah. Um, and then part of me was like, oh, this is a modern center. I'm like, or is that just a, a power forward? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, right. like, it's like, like <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're, what's that? When we're yeah, when we're talking about this evolution of the game, I think about this all the time. It's just the there's so many more players that are more skilled than ever before. It's not just yeah. the backcourt, and then it's not just the small forward. I mean, Dr. J could not dribble his left hand. If you don't believe me, watch The right. Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, which is a movie. He yeah. couldn't dribble his left hand in the movie. Sure. And now we have LeBron James and, and all these small forwards. Brandon Ingram, Jason Tatum is unbelievable. They, they might play the four, but they're threes. They're just forwards. They're just right. guards, really. Um, everyone's just guards some, in some cases. Valanciunas is the center. <laughs> Steven Adams is the center. There's some. But yeah, the skill level. And I think it's a really important point to, um, for these teams to build an offensive structure so it's not solely dependent on your, your un- incredibly talented guard. You need to have other options to, to run an offense successfully and, and not just say, throw it to that guy. This is what the Cuisinart is. And no one's been able to match it. No one running so well, (laughs) right? No one has been able to find an offense that still can cook like that um, in crunch time, but they still have it. Yeah. I, okay. Then from the heat point of view, um, like no problem without Lowry, just that's just fine. How do they do that? Jimmy Butler has been terrific. Really Mm -hmm. great. I don't know what Duncan Rama said yesterday, but, you know, the one game at eight of nine from three, when you've got him running off screens with all the gravity that he has, and now when you deal with screens, you're, t- you're not just sucking your own man, but you're sucking the, the big guy's man too. So now there's, you know, three mm-hmm. guys on the rest of the court. Um, and the way Jimmy Butler's carving people up, shooting and finishing, Bam's gotten better the last couple of games. I'm not focused on them, but I know he's scoring better and um, being more productive. Uh, and they're really guarding. Like they're, this is another team that's yeah. built around defense and they've done a great job. And I know, you know, this with some of their non-draft picks, just, they've just, it's not about people want to credit this guy in the apartment. I don't agree. Nothing against this guy in the apartment. It's coaching. It's get, it's player development and personal and, and, and culture so that these guys still work their butts off to get on the court and get in the rotation. And they know that they're seen and they have a chance. And I think that's it's a win for the franchise because of what they're doing. Yeah, David always makes the point that, like, if the, if you knew the undrafted player was good, you would have just drafted him. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just you're just you're just based on use, you're a used car salesman because everyone's trying to get that. Say, no, trust me, you're not the only one trying to get these guys for summer league or for two way. The agents are fielding all these phone calls, and mm-hmm. I'm always I always laugh. At the agents who I'm lucky enough to be in a situation where they'll call me, it's like, hey, do you think this guy or this guy as a coach is more to be trusted? What's the situation like? And I'm always, you know, this guy's really arguing that we're going to play him. Well, just draft some then. 
Because the odds are that of the two or three players you drafted this year, your lucky one's going to be in the rotation in five years. So if you really want this guy that badly, draft him. It's just, yeah, and I understand what we like the other guy too, but there's, you know, the the Jose Alvarado's of the world and the Herb Jones, I just, it's amazing to me they didn't get drafted. Yeah. 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 Um, All right. So, and and we talked a little about Tyler Hero. So in the bubble, he, you know, I guess his contract was coming up and the idea was like, this guy's. No, he was a rookie. Such a he was a rookie. Oh, okay. So when his contract was coming up, right? Like for the idea was like you cannot possibly move this guy, right? Like like he's untouchable. And you know, and, and basically he's had some good shooting nights and some not good shooting nights. And then I'm like, oh, it's, like what's the difference? Why why are we so excited about him? And like how do we know that he's, you know, a guy who's not very good on D and like some defenders can really bother him. Um why is he so special? I think the situation, Henry, was uh, they were looking to maybe trade for Kawhi Leonard and a few, or a few other of those kinds of players to put with Jimmy Butler. And the idea was only Tyler Hero can get that done, not from a contract standpoint. So you had to trade some other guys with heavy right. contract. But he was seen as having yeah. this bright future because his, his rookie season was so good in, in Orlando. Um, and so now the question you're asking is, is he still that guy? And uh, I thought you brilliantly said this morning, um, is he just Jordan Clarkson? And I said, maybe. We don't know yet. We, you know, at some point, you do realize, okay, he's hit a ceiling. He's just a bucket. And if he's just a bucket, then, um, then your ceiling is lower. because, But it's not a zero. <laughs> There's a whole bunch of guys. No, buckets are good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Jordan Clarkson <laughs> was a very important player on the league's best team last year and was really important. In, a, in basically the win that saved the franchise, which was winning game four when Luca came back. And Jordan was huge in that game. Um, and so, yeah, if he can only be a scorer, not really a facilitator, not really at all a defender, then he's just Jordan Clarkson. And then he's tradable. If, mm-hmm. if you can start him and have him uh, be a, a better overall player, then he's a notch above Jordan Clarkson. Now he's got all-star potential, potentially, because he still can score 20 points a game. Uh, and mm-hmm. then you, 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 you want to keep him around a guy like Jimmy Butler. And he's just 22, I believe. Mm-hmm. January, mm-hmm. I think he turned 22. So, yeah, we'll see how far they go this year. He's not playing great in this series. They're playing great, though. And I don't know what that means yet. We'll have to see. So uh, let's talk about the Celtics and Nets. I have a friend who's a huge Celtics fan, and I just learned I just learned that he like basically can't watch the Celtics with other people. He gets too yeah. nervous about yeah. it. And he's had some bad experiences where, like, he watches with, like, his father-in-law, and then they lose. And then he's worried that his father-in-law, like, was the issue. <laughs> so they come over to dinner on Saturday, and he's very nervous that, like, our house may or may not be a safe place to watch the Celtics. And he wore his green socks, and we sat on the couch, and the Celtics were just beautiful. <laughs> and at the end of the night, he's like... I can watch Celtics games here. Like it's, he's like, like totally delighted about this. But you're reminding man, me. They were uh, maybe Gerard's seen it. Henry's too highbrow to see these movies. There's a movie called Fever Pitch with Jimmy Fallon. I read the book. <laughs> Wait, did I just prove your point? <laughs> was it a book? It's a famous book. It makes yeah. sense that yeah. it was. This is about the yeah. Boston Red Sox. Well, the book isn't. The book's about Arsenal. And then they transferred it oh, into American Oh, Oh, I have to read the book. Yeah. Yes. The book's amazing. I, can't, yeah. I have to read it. So is the movie. The movie's just a yeah. stupid fun, but, but he's a crazy Red Sox yeah. fan. And he meets yeah. Drew Barrymore's 
parents and and has to you know it, it turns out to be the, the, he's a delightful guy but it made me think of that that's how every fan fans of every base but they are fun to watch man that's your point they they're what they're doing defensively what herb jones and alvarado are doing as rookies i've never seen before what they're doing defensively as a franchise in just round one i wouldn't say it's unprecedented but it's it's high high level defense they are fucking. I honestly idiot. had this like you know huh? every contender's had an issue, right? You know the Bucks have Chris Middleton out and the Suns have Devin Booker. Like and I was like watching that game on Saturday night. I was like, this might be these. They might be the best team standing right now. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to talk about them, um, especially now with Robert Williams back. Especially now that yeah. Time Lord, I, yeah, I think yeah. I think Time Lord, my favorite nickname next to the Iceman, is back. Um, the the way they're getting into, they've really gotten to KD's head. I, I think the season, to be fair, has gotten. I've almost never seen KD affected by anything. It's what, one of the things that makes him so amazing. Um, I, he's done. Like if, if they could win tonight, and you know, he's you, you hate to bet against a brand name, even though I hate the whole thing. But he he's deserving of it. He is that special. But it's it's gonna be war again. Like Boston's bringing everything they got, and they got a lot. And I don't think Brooklyn has a lot of answers. So we've said this on, on with Gerard and I and with you and I, if, if your answer is, well, Katie's Superman, that's just not a great strategy. That's not a great strategy. Yeah. The Pelicans aren't asking Ingram to be Superman. He needs to be really good. But they need Katie to be Superman. It's just not a good strategy. And I don't, you know, I don't pretend to really know what's going on with Katie, but I have, I was shocked last couple of games to see like, you know, unable to handle the ball efficiently and people just taking it from him. Or at one point he just passed it to the other team. Like these are mistakes that, I mean, he's been under high pressure defense his whole his life, whole life, yeah. his whole life. And he just doesn't, in my memory, which is very sloppy, he just doesn't make those kinds of mistakes. But suddenly it's like, he just can't operate. I mean, he's in advanced stats. He's one of the worst players in the league in these playoffs because he's been playing against this defense. Yeah. I get it. But like he has, this is not the first good defense he's faced. Oh, for sure not. You're right. Uh, the, but the, they're trying to disrupt him aggressively. It's not just bumping. It's getting into his footwork off the dribble. Um, yeah. He likes to go left-right shot in the shots, and they're just fucking with his timing. Um, you know, I tell you, Danny, uh, Danny Hage, Brad Stevens deserves probably executive of the year. Uh, from stepping down. The voting's closed. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> It's too late. The voting right. closed. From this stepping is like- down and putting yeah. Emei in charge to um, getting Daniel Tice, which really has helped when Time Lord was out, to not breaking the team up when everyone just knew. Well, we didn't. We published an article saying Tatum is fine. He's just missing shots. So that's exact. I had forgotten this. Someone emailed me. And uh, I know it seems like I'm smart sometimes, but it's not that. It's just you see what you see. Like these are good shots. He just is missing. I didn't know if he'd make them. You're hoping that he would if you're rooting for them. I didn't really care either way. I just knew he normally makes those shots a lot more often than he's making them now. But they didn't panic. And and Emei's done Whoever is doing it, Emei deserves the most credit probably. Uh, at the way they just connect and pass, I think Horford probably helps too, which also was a great get, uh, having him and keeping him. Amazing get. Yeah. I mean, he really, boy, he solves some, he solves a lot of problems for them. And, uh, I remember, I remember I had a player once who played with um, Shane Battier and uh, near, near the end of Shane's career. 
And he really, it really meant something to him. Like Shane, Shane wanted to do things the right way. And, and this player had been with some bad franchises he, it, that had meaning to him. I think Horford really rose people the right way. Like, let's just be mm-hmm. decent to each other and let's just connect together. And, and I also think Marcus Smart is, is, um, is, is not as much an enigma as it, it appears. He brings a lot of fire to what he's doing, but he wants to play the right way too, and he has no ego. Like, mm-hmm. he, he knows his job, but he wants to win and doesn't need to be the guy to do it offensively. And that gives Tatum and Brown. I mean, Brown at the green light the other day was all the Brown show. Just Brown, 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 yeah, Brown. Meanwhile, Tatum's their best player, but Brown was facilitating. Peyton Pritchard's been huge for them uh, off the bench, which is great to see they there. Well, David, you made this amazing point that, like, they got away with playing Peyton Pritchard a whole bunch of key minutes because the Nets keep the ball in KD yeah. and Kyrie's hands, which means they're not punishing Peyton Pritchard for being bad on D. I'm sure they're ready to have the hook. He's a weak defender on the yeah. ball, but they're not attacking it. Marcus Smart was on. I think I'm right in saying that Marcus Smart was on the bench until four minutes left, like the whole first part of the fourth quarter. And you'd think they'd have to bring him in to play D against the whatever the Nets were doing, yeah, but the, the Nets out. weren't forcing the issue. Yeah, put the fire out. Yeah. You're right. You're right. Exactly. Listen, the TV announcers even said it. Like Marcus Smart's still on the bench. Like we all saw it. Um, this is a. This is a. Uh, the way the Nets have kind of. It, it's it's the whole season and. You know, and I'm going to sound like an idiot for this probably, and I don't, forgive me ahead of time for that. And I have sympathy for Ben Simmons in a lot of different ways. Um, but, you know, I remember when I my last, my last year of coaching high school basketball where I was on the bench officially as a paid coach, uh, we were in the final eight, and um, one of our players who really came from a terrible home, like all of our guys did, he wore brand new shoes to our game on the road. The game to get to the final four. We could have won the state. We were like the probably the top two team in the state. And these were brand new shoes, Henry, and he was slipping and sliding everywhere. And I'm telling you, ask any one of my players, they're all nearing 50 now. That's how long it's been. They all remember Al, his name was Al. I'm not gonna say his last name. They all remember Al's shoes. And, uh, but he had to be, he had to be, had to do, he was an all-conference player. He was the smallest guy on our team, worked his ass off, four-year player for me, starting in ninth and 10th grade on JV, worked his way into being an all Conference and our our conference is loaded with D one talent. You'll get to my point in a minute. I'll get it to one second. And he had to wear brand new freaking shoes because he wanted people to look at him. And our guys would say it's one of the reasons why we lost the game. So I'm looking at Ben Simmons on the bench, and you can't help but notice him for what he's wearing. Oh, they were yellow pants, if I recall right. Were the yellow? I just thing? felt like this is the one time. Just wear a net suit. Wear a net yeah. sweatsuit. Like just fit in. It's not about you, Ben. And that the fact that you're not you're not cluing in on that, that was a red that was a um that was a red flag to me, Henry. Like, come on, Ben. And then the next day we find out he's not playing anymore. He's out for the season, whatever it is. That I hurt my heart. That hurt my heart because I and I know I think it was Devin Booker dressed similarly. Devin Booker knew whatever he wants to do. That dude laid it on the line for his team all year. And Ben, I'm not questioning your back. Or your mental status. I'm not questioning any of it, but I'm questioning your character when you're ha- you're dressing that way for a reason. You're conscious of it. And if you're not conscious of it, you've not been aware that that someone should be saying, "Hey, Ben, put on a net sweatsuit, buddy. Be part of us." Mm-hmm. All right. That's how I felt about that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Then we started this year with the favorites in Vegas were these Nets and the Lakers. Yeah. Um, wow. 
And I was like, well, this is, you know, this is the LeBron James team and the Kevin Durant team, right? And there's long been reason to bet on those two guys, but I just, I don't know, maybe I'm overreaching, but watching that game, I'm like, neither one of them is ever going to win a championship. I don't think the LeBron Lakers or the KD Nets are, like, I think this is, this didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. When you said it to me today, I, I thought that sounded exactly right. I don't think, but the Nets had, uh, we can, we can, we can deconstruct both teams, but let's just do the Nets. Uh, in the bubble, they 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 had a nice little thing going. Uh, um, Gerard probably remember been all of us, but they had spent Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis Levert, um, Jared Allen. Also, yeah, that was the first one I said. Yeah, oh, okay, yeah, Jared, I'm sorry. Like, amazing. Jo- and of course, Joe Harris. And then they healthy. blew it up for freaking DeAndre Jordan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, and uh, but they had some going on, and Jacques Vaughn was coaching them. Yeah, yeah, and and they they put all the cards in for this. And uh, I didn't like it at the time. And I, I, I mean, listen, they've had some bad luck too, for sure. But they didn't need luck, what they were building before. Meanwhile, Spencer's doing just fine in Dallas. And um, DeAndre, what's, what is his name? Uh, for Minnesota, I just went blank on his name. D'Angelo Russell. He, he's doing great, uh, you know, yeah. on an up-and-coming team. Jared Allen's doing great yeah. for an up-and-coming team. Like, that would have worked Amazing. out just fine. That was like the worst trade of all time. Yeah, they, um, yeah, I, I think there's like this, this is always the trend is you want, you know, that when stars get more control of franchises, they want to bring in older, more established players, bigger names, bigger contract contracts, but like, it just doesn't work. Actually, we could pivot right now yep. to like, who's playing well in these playoffs. Like you were pointing out, um, the under 25 list of people playing well, this is a very incomplete list, but like the obvious ones are like John Morant, Jason Tatum, Luca. Right. Trey Young, Brandon Ingram, Scotty Barnes, Bam, Jalen Brown. But in these playoffs, we're all talking about Jordan Poole, Tyrese Maxey, Anthony Edwards, Herb Jones, Jose Alvarado, Bones Highland, Jalen Brunson, OG Anobi. I can keep going. Desmond Bain, Robert Williams, DeAndre Hunter, Tyus Jones. Um, I talked about Aneka Okongwu, Precious Achiwa. Uh, it could just, like, those are the players you want to have on your team. And only a few were lottery picks. Yeah. I mean, it's one, of yeah. course, everyone wants lottery picks like Anthony Edwards but, um, and John Morant. But uh, I think Dane was a second-round pick or maybe late first from uh, TCU. All, all those guys. I mean, Herb Jones, obviously, we talked about. Yeah. Um, I think it's a trade-off between uh, energy and athleticism versus wisdom of the game. Yeah. And I think too often the teams are choosing wisdom instead of coaching the wisdom up and going with the energy and athleticism. Well, I think it's like a, one of like the most common human biases is I think what they call representative bias, which is basically if you can picture it, then you value it. But if you can't picture it, you don't, right? So people don't want to buy a fixer-upper house because it looks bad. And so, you know, but if they just put in some nice tile and paint everything, then like it's, you know, people, everyone will buy it. And so I feel like with, you know, the day they got Herb Jones, nobody thinks they are about to beat the Suns because they got Herb Jones. You can't picture it, Right. DeAndre Jordan, you can picture it because he's been in these big playoff games, right? It's easy to see. So you're like, oh, well, let me get that guy. Let me get the guy who does this, right? But I think that you and I probably annoy the likes of Kevin Durant by saying, you should get these younger players. You should play fewer minutes. You should, you know, all this stuff. Like, it's really not because we're assholes. It's not because we love data. It's because when you try to solve everything yourself with, like, Superman, and with older teammates, it just isn't very likely to work. 
Henry, do the org chart thing that we talked about yesterday. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah. I have all these books here. Um, maybe I can grab one. Like uh, like this one right here. Um, uh, like this one. I got a bunch of them. But these are like these Harvard researchers doing a bunch of work on like what happens, what works in businesses, right? And... If you're a manager in 2022, you're supposed to use this kind of research. And basically, like, the trick is, um, actually, today's a big day in true history. First day for Travis Moran, new editor. Very excited to have him aboard. Welcome, Travis. But, like, I'm trying to try to do stuff in that book with Travis, right? This is my job. The, the, book, so, the book, to be clear, because, Henry, this is a podcast, and you held the book up to the camera and didn't say the name, Resident Leadership? Because nobody cares. <laughs> Literally nobody cares. I, I do. I it's know. called Resident Leadership by Richard Boyatzis. Yeah. Um, he's one of, there's a bunch of, yeah. there's Clayton Christensen. There's a bunch of these, these like people who use all the data. Like, and the answer is like, you know, can you make people feel safe to do, to take risks? Because the, the safe stuff, like the, if they are just doing like military style following orders, they won't innovate enough for your company to succeed, Right. So you need people, you need to see Herb Jones at the very limit of his abilities. You want him to like leap for a three that might be unblockable to see if he can leap it. Or David, you talk about having people kick the 55-year-old field goal or whatever, right? Like, like you need people to really stretch their brains to like see what crazy stuff they can offer because you want to hear that stuff that's at the extreme edge of their possibilities, right? And, um, and if you're just getting people to follow orders or people who won't annoy you, or, you know, then you won't be testing people in this way, right? People who have, know their role, et cetera, you're just not getting the kind of bubbling, uh, you know, the inspiring, well, your definition of leadership, right, is breathing spirit in people. Like, you're not doing that if you're like, well, thank God, LeBron, LeBron likes humans who are on time, right? Like, if you get people who are on time, <laughs> like, you're not going to have Herb Jones go from nobody knows his name to he's maybe the first player in history to block three three-pointers in a game, like, you want this kind of explosive development around you, which means starting with players who aren't as proven, aren't as famous. I think that's why I say it's a coach's league. And it's not. It's an executive league and it's a superstar league, but it's a role player league too. It's all connected. You, this is the, the KD was magnificent for much of this year. Kyrie has been great for parts of this year anyway. And they may not win a playoff game. LeBron had an incredible season for when he was healthy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They didn't come close to making the playoffs, really. It takes so much more. And um, it does. Yeah. And so it seems like the smart franchises continue to be the smart franchise. Then we'll see that, you know, the Pelicans a year ago didn't look so great. Um, if, if they were a stock, we'd be buying it now. They've got hell of a. probably should have been buying it a year ago, but yeah, you're right. Um, okay. Really fast. Um, Bucks, Bulls. Um, yeah, Grayson Allen had a huge game, which made me kind of like play back, like, wait, why? Like, why does everybody boo Grayson Allen quite so much? And I watch that Alex Crusoe foul again. It's just, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. Either one from earlier this season? Yeah. yeah. He's the reason Alex Crusoe was out for yeah. most of the year. Right. Oh, he gets booed crazy yeah. when he's there. I don't know Grayson. I, I, I talked to his dad some when he was at Duke. Um, I've asked myself the same question you asked me this morning. Like, what's wrong with him? It's, yeah. it's just, it's, I don't know. I, I'm I'm a, I have a bachelor's degree in psychology. I would need a PhD probably to understand what's yeah. going on there. So, something's going on, and he had 27 yesterday. No, that's why I bring him up. Yeah, he's like suddenly he's game. the topic again. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's he's fantastic. He's, there's a lot to like about his game, but like there's you know, there are some videos of uh, you know Grace Allen dirty plays like highlight oh, yeah. on YouTube and uh, and there's uh, so many kicks yeah. like so many he trips people so he's done it so many times and then one time. 
he got called for it and there, and there was almost a fight he's in college and then they like stick him in the middle like someone wisely just pulls him away and puts sits him down and it's it's a timeout now but they're, they're still breaking up the fight and then there's a camera and you can see him in the timeout and he's losing his mind he's He's livid and screaming at, I, I, I can't fathom what. It just, it made no sense. I was like, what is he? Like, he just did a terrible thing. And someone said, don't do that. And he's, he's livid. It was weird. I was like, what is, I, I'm not, I don't want to psychoanalyze him from afar, but it just struck me that like, there's a lot going on there. It's complicated. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't understand it. I don't understand it at all. I'm, I'm normally not the guy that feels like um, these old school guys that are, you know, now in their seventies. That would never happen in my day. I, I'm not arguing with them. Um, but they're not wrong in this case. You try that stuff. Because somebody would have decked him, was what you're saying. Yeah, Blood, that Blood in the Garden, uh, Chris's book, which I loved yeah. so much. Um, uh, yeah, that dude's not walking out of that place with all of his teeth. Like, he, he's doing some After stuff. the Crusoe play, you mean? A, a lot of these plays. Like, I, I've watched the plays. videos you just referenced. I was, yeah. a, I, I, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in the league. I didn't catch all of those things when they were happening, Right. but I, yeah, I just thought like, I, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I'm, and I'm not saying Mr. Allen is involved at all. I, I would fucking yank my son off the court. I don't care if he's 25, like get the fuck off the court. You cannot, you are yeah. embarrassing. Change your name. Cause yeah. you're embarrassing my name. Like the shit you are doing. And if you try that stuff in the seventies, eighties, nineties, like, no, you're, you're losing teeth. You're getting lit up. And I'm not yeah. calling for that. I'm just saying he's taking advantage of the fact that we've evolved as a society, as a league, and I'm glad that we have. But you, but now you're exploiting that, and the league should come down harder. That's what it boils down to. You can't have the players enforcing stuff anymore, so you do it. Yeah, I'm very glad not to be a referee. Um, but that one, the Alex Crusoe play, there's a he he like hauls him out of the sky in a super dangerous way with one hand, and then also swings the other hand to deck him while he's still in there. I'm like, like the one hand is like, I, I hate that it's totally normalized. Even the commentators, I think honestly, Jeff Van Gundy's on the call. I, check me on this, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And he's like, well, the first part, like that's definitely a foul. <laughs> like Jeff, I know you're a tough guy, Jeff. I know, but it's, what the fuck are you talking about? Like he, he hauls the super high airborne guy out of the sky. Like, that's way more than a foul. This is a career-ending move in a, in plenty of instances, right? Like heaven, you can just heaven forbid someone lands on their head after that. It's like soup. You know, this is like this is you could really be in the hospital. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's a foul. But then he also like Jeff can't bring himself to even say it was a flagrant. <laughs> like, like he doesn't like you guys. This, he doesn't like those things. No, I do. no. I want a clean game. I don't want to. I don't want to see any of our players get hurt. They already get hurt enough as it is. Just take control. I mean, I just think like, yeah. like, like, or somebody else will, right? right. Like, like you're saying, right? That's the fear. Yeah, yeah. Alex Crusoe might have to solve it if the if the ref won't. You yeah. know, like, I'm sad we're not going to see him. All right, I'm sad we're not going to see him this anymore. The Bulls are about done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there anything to discuss there? Really. <laughs> no, except for Milwaukee's done a good job about Middleton. I mean, one one, no Chris Middleton. They it, people thought there might be some jeopardy, and they'll, they'll be fine. Now they need him next next round. Yeah, yeah, I do think that Drew Holiday's like ire might be the fuel that yeah determines the I, championship. Like he's, I, I watched. By the way, if anyone if anyone should be upset about anything with the referees, it should be Bill and Donovan. 
because I watched all of Giannis's buckets, and there's at least three offensive fouls that he committed, and they didn't call any of them. Mm. And then at least mm. one travel, if not two. Now, there was also mm. spectacular footwork by him. He's a f- true freak of nature. But, uh, I mean, he trucked two dudes, and then he hooked a guy a third time. That's a complete offensive foul with the elbow hook in the paint, in the post. And then traveled all like in important parts of the game. Like Philly didn't yeah. say a word that I'm aware. Yeah. Um, okay. So big, I can't believe we got to four minutes left. Um, the Raptors 76ers tonight. Uh, yeah, we should tune in. Um, I've not, I've looked it up today. Fred Van Lee is not listed as anything. This was out of two hours ago. He is out. Uh, so he's playing as far as I know, Henry. He, he is so out. He's out. He's out. Correct. Okay, that actually probably is better for Toronto because if he's in, he's. I, I didn't think it'd be better for them, but in the last game when he went out, they they the ball was just in Siakam's hands, and now Thibault can play, so that's an issue because he can guard him. No, he couldn't guard him in in Toronto. And let's face it, Gerard said before the before we came on the air, Henry, the smart thing of all, which is how quickly a tiny little thing can change the narrative of everything. Embiid's circus shot. Raptors missed three free throws down the stretch. Injured as hell. Otherwise, it's two-two. And uh, and of course, there's lots of other examples. You know, Tatum's. You know, Tatum makes that last-second game game-winning shot, or it's two-one, and it's a very different series too. Um, I think that uh, I don't know. I think that. How does Embiid look? He he looks okay, not like he did before. He he. There's there's a little less spring in his step. Now he's got a hurt thumb, which is an issue. Uh, Barnes should be a little better. By the way, the Barnes getting the rookie of the year, OG, I don't know, we cried. If you want to know about the leadership of someone, I've always said this. I saw a- uh, African-American teammates crying when Tebow said he's come back to the Gators. And they, and they, were, they were defenders, by the way, because he was such a great leader of men. When, when Scotty Barnes got the award, he bawled, but OG, I don't know, we cried. Like, who does that? <laughs> I just, and, and, they, so, and they, I'm telling you, he is, I've talked to some people inside the Raptors uh, on the team side, uh, the player side. He has won them over. Now they've got their hands full for sure. I mean, they still, they're not very deep, but just watch and see if Scott can go for 40. See if Scotty can go. Scotty did not play well the other game, and who knows how he's hurt. But um, I don't know, we played well. Boucher is still looking pretty good. Imagine the pressure of Philly if it's a tie game with four to play. If they have to go to game six in Toronto without Fiebel again, with Embiid's thumb, it's on. So everything's about tonight. Pretty exciting. Pretty exciting. Um, Gerard, did you cry when you watched the Scotty Barnes video? <laughs> I did. <laughs> did chill. I choked, up. <laughs> I choked up a little bit. Just tell as, me how you did feel inside. How'd you feel as, inside? As, as you know, as I, said, as I said in our group chat, I was like, you guys are making me soft. I saw that Scotty Barnes rookie of the year video because I, I said it before you even sent the video, coach. And I was like, oh, man, I felt the tear welling up. So I immediately shut that off and said, I have to go watch dictators and oligarchs do awful things to make myself feel better. <laughs> I, I, I taped that Navalny documentary. Let's see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, I spoke to someone that's known Scotty um, uh, since he was in high school. And, and they said the same thing I've always heard. You think it's fake. He's so over the top charismatic that you think it's fake for like a day or two. But no one can fake it every single day. And and the guy said he's the real deal. And this guy's an agent. He can't real fake deal. Yeah. He can't <laughs> fake it. 
<laughs> oh man, you guys! All right, but, but draw. Do you think Toronto can win game game uh, six, game five? I do. I I think they yeah. can't look. Phillies, you know, I how I feel about Philly. Like they're just they're kind of meh, right? And with Embiid not playing like NBA MVP, right. Joel Embiid, sure, of course. Harden better produce tonight. And you know, we haven't really seen that. He might. He might. Mm-hmm. All right, we don't want one. Judy upset. We gotta go. Thank you, David. <laughs> Thank you, Gerard. Talk to you guys soon. Be safe, guys.